Welcome back to One Conversation, the podcast where we believe one conversation can change a life. So first and foremost, you may notice this is an audio only episode today. So we're going to be audio only from here on out. We have really exciting things uh, coming into the future for us and our little podcast. We're going to be moving to Apple Podcasts and Spotify sometime in the near future. We're going to announce that next episode, um, the dates that that's going to be launching if they hadn't already. So look out for that. So to jump into today's episode, April is Sexual Assault Awareness Month. So we're going to be having a variety of discussions throughout this entire month of April on this topic. Today, what we're going to do is start by really defining and discussing sexual assault to really give a, a bigger picture of what this issue really is. Before we begin, please keep in mind, this is going to be a really triggering conversation. So even with just some of the terminology we're going to be using, some of the ways that we really discuss uh, and kind of uh, define some of these things, yeah, it might be really triggering. So please be advised of that going in. You know, take care of yourself if you need to. Maybe while you're listening, if you need to kind of pause and take a break, or maybe maybe need to do some self-care activities while you're listening. Uh, so yeah, take care of yourself. And of course, if there's any listeners out there that feel like maybe, hey, you need to have a conversation with us or maybe have more questions in regards to anything we discuss in today's episode, please email us. Our email address is outreach at liveviolencefree.org. Awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa. And so I think it's really important to start off by defining what sexual assault is, because it is an umbrella term, right? And that encompasses many different types of crimes. And so sexual violence is any type of unwanted sexual contact that can include words and actions of a sexual nature against a person's will and without their consent. So a person may use force, threats, manipulation, or coercion to commit sexual violence. And, you know, sexual assault can take many different forms, um, like, you know, inappropriate touching, also known as fondling, forcing a victim to perform sexual acts, such as oral sex, or, you know, maybe some form of penetration as well, um, rape attempted rape and child molestation. And so it's really important to highlight that sexual violence happens in every community and affects people of all genders and ages. And so like Lisa mentioned, you know, um, it's just like domestic violence in regards to it does not discriminate to anyone. This can happen to anyone. So it's also important to discuss the motivation for sexual violence. So, you know, again, just like domestic violence and teen dating violence, the motivation behind sexual violence is power and control, right? It has everything to do with power and control and not a sexual urge as many people have a misconception um, in regards to what the motivator is behind that. And so, you know, it's really important to highlight that the only difference is that domestic violence and teen dating violence um, is that that person is trying to gain power over their partner's personal life. In this case, in regards to sexual violence, they are trying to gain power and control over someone's body, right? Um, and so it's really important to kind of keep that in mind. Yeah, and that's really important to bring up. I think there are a lot of misconceptions, right, with what the motivation is, why this happens, and to really understand that this really is a motivation for power and control. 
what someone else does with their body, the choices that they are making or able to make. That's not a crime of passion. It's not, you know, this uncontrollable urge, not being able to help oneself. You know, there may be crimes where those things exist, but that's not the, the motivation for sexual assault. And so that's really, really important, I think, to, to understand first and foremost. Uh, and another big piece of information that we bring up when we talk about this is that statistically these crimes are carried out by someone the victim knows. So, you know, there's this idea that maybe sexual predators or people that perpetrate sexual assaults are these, you know, maybe strangers, right? Or maybe those kind of types that are like hiding in the bushes and hiding in dark alleys and waiting to come out at night and, and do these awful things when, you know, statistically, um, we know that's not the case, right? Or more often than not, that's, that's not what's happening. And so to kind of go over some statistics on that. So we know that 51.1, so just over 50% of female victims reported uh, being raped by an intimate partner. So someone they're dating and 40.8% by an acquaintance. So someone that they knew, right? So this could be, you know, maybe they've gone out with on a few dates, maybe uh, a friend, right? Or someone that they've just met, maybe at school or maybe because um, a connection of other friends. We know that 52.4% of male victims reported being raped by an acquaintance. So same thing. In eight out of 10 cases of rape, the victim knew the perpetrator. So this is just kind of in general, this encompasses both genders. So eight out of 10, yeah, uh, that's a pretty high percentage of the time that again, this is not a stranger, right? This is someone in this person's life, quite possibly dating. And it's really important, I think, to just mention that, you know, we talked a lot about consent in a previous episode. And I think if our listeners haven't, you know, been a part of that conversation, taken a listen to that episode yet, we really encourage you to go back because consent really speaks so directly to sexual assaults in a lot of ways, right? And especially when we're thinking about, you know, well, eight out of 10 times, it's someone they know, or maybe someone, you know, you know, over 50% of the time for women, it's someone that they're dating. And so we think about, you know, how would this happen? You know, you're dating this person, you're involved romantically, you care about each other. So how could sexual assault be occurring? A lot of the time it's because there's a lack of consent. And so again, we really encourage you, I mean, we'll kind of continue to place little pieces of consent throughout this conversation, but uh, we really encourage you to go back if you haven't checked that out yet. Absolutely. And I think it's also very important to highlight that sexual assault is a very unreported crime, right? And some people may ask, how do you know that? Well, you know, for those who don't know, we actually have a 24-hour crisis line, and this is what we do, right? We respond to sexual assault incidents. And so, um, you know, those do get reported to us either by the police or, you know, by the hospital or by the person who has experienced the sexual abuse, right? And a lot of times we get calls directly from the victim, right? And we typically refer to them as survivor. We use those terms interchangeably. But um, with that being said, there are many calls that we receive or many victims of sexual abuse that, you know, we are in contact with and get connected with and do not want to report, right? And each and every single one of them have a different reason, right? And so sometimes it's due to the sh feeling ashamed, like they did something wrong. Sometimes it's the fear. Sometimes it's that self-blame. Sometimes it's due to victim blaming, right? And the way that society views incidents like this. Sometimes it's yes. also denial. So there are so many different reasons on why 
some of the sexual abuse incidents go unreported and every single reason is valid, right? Because those are their feelings and they have their reasons why. But it is really important to know that, you know, sexual assault is a very unreported crime. And so, um, you know, just to give you a bigger picture of how often these crimes happen, here are some national statistics for you. And in every two minutes, someone in the U.S. is sexually assaulted. So think about that. Every two minutes, someone in the U.S. is sexually assaulted. And to take a quick pause, too, I mean, we also know that this is highly underreported. And so if we know that that's, you know, there's a lot of cases being left out, uh, you know, looking at this statistic, it might be a lot quicker, right? Maybe if all cases were reported, who knows, right? It, it could perhaps be every minute, right? Minute and a half or 30 seconds. We just don't have that data, but it's, it's disheartening, but it's interesting, I think, to think about that when we're looking at that first statistic. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's very important to highlight because I can't imagine what the numbers would look like if everyone reported. So thank you, Lisa, for that. Um, one in four females will be raped or victims of attempted rape by age 25. So one in four. Three out of five rapes occur before the victim is 18. And so this is why we do the rape prevention education that Lisa and I do, um, because we know that this is highly relevant and something that obviously is impacting our youth. 80% of assault victim survivors are under the age of 30 when assaulted. 60% of sexual assaults are not reported to the police. So again, 60% of sexual assaults are not reported to the police. 15 out of 16 rapists will never spend a day in jail. So think about that, right? And sometimes that's what can be very discouraging for victims that come forward because it takes a lot of strength to be able to report this, right? To let somebody know how you were, you know, physically invaded or just invaded in general, right? Um, and then to do that and know that sometimes it does not go through in regards to the law or just the outcome of what happens um, can sometimes be very discouraging for victims to come forward and report. And so I think also it's very important to know that, you know, the statistics um, that we were using, you know, the specific term female are speaking about both male and female statistics. So. Um, with that being said, you know, I think it's really important to highlight that this is why we're here. This is why we are promoting you know, so much awareness around sexual violence, because we know that this is obviously something that's relevant, something that's happening, not just everywhere, but here in our community. And it's so important to kind of break that silence, right? And let victims and survivors know that they are not alone. Absolutely. And there is a great documentary out just thinking about, you know, some of those statistics talking about some of the barriers and why, you know, it could be really disheartening. It could be really challenging for survivors to disclose, to report. Uh, there is, it's a docuseries called Unbelievable. It's based on a true story. I will put the disclaimer out there. It is an extremely heavy series. Um, you know, obviously they're talking about a true story of an assault um, and this unfortunate story of an individual not being believed. Uh, and so it really does a beautiful job, I think, highlighting 
the importance of trauma-informed care, uh, really giving an accurate and really disheartening look at sometimes how these cases can be handled, the re-traumatizing process of disclosing and what that looks like sometimes. And so, uh, again, knowing going in, it's really it's a really heavy watch, absolutely, between you know not a, only the story but the content in and of itself, but really encourage. I think it's really something that could really deepen the connection, especially of what we're talking about today and really show kind of uh, in real time how that could look. And so again, it's called Unbelievable. Believe it's still on Netflix. So yeah, encourage any listeners to check that out. And just to back up a little bit, and I know JC spoke a little bit before about, you know, some of the reasons why uh, we may understand cases are not reported. Looking at that statistic, specifically of 60% of assaults are not reported to the police. I just remember in one of my high school classes, so this was a ninth grade freshman health class, I had a really insightful student uh, raise their hand immediately once I said that and asked me, you know, if 60% are reported, like, how do you know they happened? And so kind of similar to what JC said earlier about our crisis line, things like that. So we may get the call or the disclosure that something has happened, but that does not mean they've also disclosed or made a report with the police, right? And so that's really what we're looking at with that statistic. Uh, and there's, again, yeah, so many barriers and reasons why. And we've mentioned this before, but we're an empowerment agency. We're dealing with all different types of crimes, domestic violence and sexual assaults. They're all basically taking away someone's power and control in some way, right? And so the last thing we're going to do as an agency to provide support is take away power and control by, um, you know, telling you this is how you deal with it or saying this is what your next steps should be, right? We want to give you the control of making your own decisions. And we understand there's so many reasons why. Uh, we kind of gently been talking about victim blaming if you're not familiar with that terminology, we're going to have a full episode this month talking about victim blaming. So watch out for that. But outside of, you know, victim blaming, there could be so many reasons, you know, mistrust for police, uh, the fear of, you know, having to face their perpetrator, maybe not wanting to out their perpetrator, right? Especially now understanding eight times out of 10, this is someone you know, and possibly you're dating. So what does that now look like, right? If this is, you know, uh, a married spouse, or if this is a long-term relationship. So those things are really important to keep in mind. Um, and so I think it's really important, you know, today I think was a great kind of introduction of us really beginning to define, and then we're going to uncover some other, you know, kind of cultural examples we have. Um, but those are really big things I think to keep in mind as we're stepping in to this whole concept. Absolutely. Yes. And I cannot wait for our episode on victim blaming. It's definitely one of my favorite topics um, yes. to cover. But, you know, with that being said, there has been so many different social movements. And one of the ones that I want to highlight and a lot of people are aware of now because it went viral is the Me Too social movement. And so this Me Too movement, um, you know, goes against sexual assault and sexual harassment, and it went viral nationally and internationally in October 2017. Um, but actually, it was started by an activist, Tarana Burke, um, and she had started it, you know, she had started using that phrase for over a decade. And the reason why is because, you know, during her life, she has really fought to help and protect victims of abuse. And I think what I really loved about this movement is that 
it really helps show survivors of sexual abuse that they are not alone because so many times when you know that happens to you when you are sexually abused you feel alone right that's typically how most survivors and victims feel and so you know, they feel alone for many different reasons. Maybe it's lack of support. Um, maybe they are not letting anyone know about what has happened. Maybe they're keeping it to themselves. Maybe they have experienced victim blaming, right? There are so many different reasons on why they feel alone. Um, but I feel like this movement did such a great job of showing how many people are impacted by sexual abuse and how they are not alone, right? And not yeah. only that, but it really helped raise awareness around sexual violence and start that conversation and also break that silence because you know as lisa and i always say you know violence thrives in silence right and yes. so it's so important to be able to break that cycle and by doing so we have to break that silence so you know when this me too movement happened i seriously had the biggest smile when i started even just seeing, you know, through social media, uh, family members or friends post Me Too and talk about their story. And for many right. of them, it was the first time that they were able to do that. And I was just in awe. I was very happy to see such a positive social movement in regards to sexual violence because we have not always seen this done in such a positive way, right? Um, right. So I just want to highlight that for those who are not aware of the Me Too movement, definitely take a look. Um, hashtag Me Too. You can actually see how many people posted that. You can actually go to their website as well. So just go ahead and type in Me Too movement, and it will actually direct you to a link um, that covers metoomovement.org. And so within that link, you can actually find out Every, all the history in regards to the Me Too movement, as well as great tips and tools for survivors of abuse. So definitely feel free to take a look. And that movement, I mean, it's done so much outside of, you know, the education they're sharing on their website and just, um, you know, kind of gaining traction and creating this movement. I mean, they've really um, sparked so many other, I think, things to happen within this movement. And so another documentary I'll bring up for viewers to maybe watch if they have not seen this yet, it's called The Hunting Grounds. And so this is a documentary uh, really investigating and looking at sexual assaults happening on college campuses. And so this was, you know, a few years back now, this documentary came out. But what had happened uh, was, you know, there were a few instances and so a few survivors of assault on campus kind of started a movement together. Um, it started to really try to raise awareness and gain traction, right, and gain buy-in for, you know, receiving support because within their circumstances, their assaults uh, on campus, they really didn't receive adequate support for their healing. And so it really sparked a movement. But one of the biggest pushes for the movement was after they began to reach out, they began to um, kind of promote what they were doing. That's when they began to hear, well, me too, and me too, and me too, right? And with all of these survivors coming forward, really helped them kind of build um, a, a much bigger case, right, for our school systems to really look at the way that they respond and handle sexual assault cases. And so not only empowering, um, yeah, just the way of kind of showing representation, right? Or just um, that idea that there's 
a solidarity to this, that people aren't alone. And also kind of, again, looking back, the motivation's power, right, and control, especially when we're thinking about individuals who maybe have perpetrated that are in positions of power, right? Think about how much of a barrier that probably is, right? If I was assaulted by someone with a great deal of power, let's say with wealth or fame or notoriety, um, then me speaking up, right, might have been a lot more terrifying. But now if I have these other people then coming forward, we then stand together, right? So it is, it's it's a super, super powerful social movement. Um, albeit very disheartening, right, to see the amount of disclosures, but I, I'm more happy because we know they exist anyway, right? Like we know if someone's been assaulted, it exists, whether or not they're disclosing it or not. So yeah, we're just really happy that it did provide a much bigger platform to not only disclose, but also just culturally, I think, to have a different conversation on this, right? Because there's a lot of ways, again, we will go into victim blaming um, in our next episode, but there's a lot of ways culturally that it would be a great benefit to survivors if we shifted the conversation. And so, so happy that you highlighted the Me Too uh, and again, we encourage our listeners, we'll, I'll make a note of the documentaries I mentioned down below, uh, and I'll, I'll put the disclaimer in there as well, just to remind you, right, they're very heavy, heavy watch. So, but we encourage you guys to check those things out, follow the link, check out the Me Too movement website. And so on that note, we are going to take a few minutes and breathe together. Definitely important after a conversation on sexual violence. And so if you are in a place right now where you can take on this meditation, I encourage you to just get into a comfortable seated position somewhere you can just fully sink into your chair, fully lean back. And we're just going to do a simple counting meditation. So I want you to just take a deep breath in through your nose and a big exhale. Take a deep breath in, gently close your eyes and exhale. Deep breath in, let your body sink deeper and exhale. Continue with this breathing for a few breaths. Every exhale, just let your body kind of melt into your chair. In your next inhale, I want you to count in your head. One, two. Exhale, one, two. Inhale, one, two. Exhale, one, two. Now inhale to three. Exhale, one, two, three. Continue with this breathing, counting in to three. Now hold your breath for three before exhaling.
change your count to four. Inhale, four. Hold for four. Exhale, four. Do this count to four one last time. Inhale, four. Hold for four. Exhale for four. Fill your lungs all the way. Big exhale out. And one last big breath in and out. Gently float your eyes back open into the room once you're ready. Go back to your normal breathing. Slowly wake your body up however you have to. Wiggle in your seat. Well, hopefully that brought a little bit of some relaxation to the end of our episode here. Thank you so much, Lisa, for that lovely meditation. I definitely needed that. And to our listeners, we hope you practice the meditation with us after this difficult conversation. It's so important that you prioritize some self-care. So with that being said, I would love to just highlight that if you or anyone that you know has experienced sexual abuse, just know that you are not alone. To get help or just to connect with an advocate, just know that you are able to do that anonymously. You do not have to um, state your name or release any personal information to just talk to someone. You can contact our crisis line at this phone number, 530-544-4444. And so that is available 24 hours a day. And we would like to just thank you all for joining us for this important conversation. We hope you'll join us for our next One Conversation episode.